A year ago this Sunday was the last time anyone worshiped in the sanctuary of Middle Church and nobody knew it at the time. Whew. Were you there? Online or in person? Do you remember during the announcements when the in-person congregation would turn and wave at those online? Madge singing. That song we just heard. Jackie preaching from the historic Golden Pulpit. March 8, 2020, we packed in the pews. March 7th, 2021, well, here we are. What do we make of this year? It was 2 a.m. in Paris and my phone kept ringing. You've got to get to the airport, my friend AJ said. Trump is threatening to shut off the border from anyone coming in from Europe. It was early March. Graham and I took a risk and decided to take that much awaited anniversary trip, even though questions of some coronavirus loomed. But that was the moment for me. That was the moment I knew life as we knew it was about to change. When was it for you? Was it word of the first case in the US? Public schools shutting down? Getting the email from Jackie that we would not gather in worship on March 14th? When did you know that COVID was about to change everything? March 2020. Remember sheltering in place and how scary that was? The run on toilet paper, Lysol wipes, Purell, wondering if it was okay to go outside just to take a walk. The moment you had to tell your kids they wouldn't be going back to the school building. Figuring out how in the world to work from home and for some of us simultaneously teaching and parenting. Realizing that as a single person, you were going to have some very lonely nights. Remember packing up your dorm room overnight and figuring out how safely to leave? The first time you had a Zoom meeting, what's Zoom? And how weird it was to see everyone in their homes. Remember when the first person you knew got COVID. Remember when you got COVID. Remember when you found out the first person that you knew died. And the first digital funeral you attended. Remember hanging out our windows at 7 p.m., banging pots and pans, singing and clapping to thank essential workers. Brianna Taylor. April, when morgue started to replace houses of worship, Central Park and the Javits Center. The moment you realized, oh, we're not going back for Easter either. You lost your job. Your job was totally redefined. The first time you attended gospel choir on Zoom, you sent in your first video for worship. How awkward did you feel? How many times did it take you to record it? No, seriously, how many times did you record it and send it in, put it in the chat? May, we figured out that masks save lives and maybe we should all be wearing them. We experienced Ramadan during a pandemic. You couldn't pay your employees, George Floyd, June, Summer plans halted and shifted, internships gone by the wayside. More people you know died. More people, perhaps you, got sick. The height of racial uprising. Many of us saw one another for the first time since the shutdown at the Juneteenth vigil outside Middle. We realized that street dining was actually kind of cool. Temperature rose, COVID levels dropped, but deaths and hospitalizations continued to rise. September, 
The onset of fall brought us no closer to returning to in-person worship. The definite word that school buildings would not fully reopen. You had to close your business. A new wave of chaos and disappointment. How has it been six months? We muscled through a monumental election and census season. As we moved towards the holidays, we ran the what should we do scenarios over and over in our heads more times than we'd like to admit. New variants rose alongside fears of holiday spikes. We miss our families, friends, routines. More people we know got sick, more people died. December, middle church building suffered a devastating fire. Christmas Eve, Hanukkah, all online. Christian Hall, January, an insurrection. New news to double mask and word that, oh, actually we should have been wearing that N95 all along. A vaccine, vaccine chaos, new variants. More people you know are sick, maybe you're sick. More people are dying. Racial, economic, and class disparities continue to be exposed. February, people are getting vaccinated. People are dying, people are sick. More people are unemployed. More people can't pay their rent. More people overcome with exhaustion and untouched grief. Purim, Ash Wednesday, online. March, can you bring yourself here today? Take a breath. However today finds you, by the grace of God, we are here and we're here together. One year in, God is still speaking. God is still moving and creating among us. And God has something to say to us in the lectionary passage for today found in John chapter two, verses 13 through 16. Hear a word from the Lord now. The Passover of the Jews was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and money changers seated at the tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. The gospel of John is drastically different than the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The focus of John's gospel is God being with us, set up by the very first verse in the book. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and lived among us. In John, Jesus provides access to God's in ways, access to God in ways otherwise not possible or imagined. And this year, we've needed to access God in ways not traditionally imagined or accessed. Jesus arrives at the temple during the season of Passover, which means it's an extremely busy and important time. People from all over have come to worship, bringing their animal sacrifices and temple taxes. Rather than quietly joining the festivities, however, Jesus drives out the animals and flips over tables. Now, the selling of animals and the trading of coins weren't problematic in their own right. In fact, Passover required the sacrificing of animals and trading of coins for those who didn't have the appropriate currency to pay the temple tax. And yet, Jesus was very upset about something. So upset, he shows up as an outsider, challenges the religious and cultural authorities, derails worship on the most significant feast of the year and demands a complete overhaul. Why? Because the system, which could work for the benefit of all, 
had become oppressive and exploitative. And in the face of oppression, Jesus taught us something about what it looks like to love with revolution, to love fiercely, to show up as God wants us to show up. Jesus's anger lies in the fact that the temple had become a place that infringed on the rights of those who were marginalized within society. To be marginalized literally means to be excluded from the center. The selling of animals and exchanging coins was relegated to the outside court, the court of the Gentiles, a place set aside for worshipers of God who were not Jewish and who were poor or lower class. As the premier place within society in which every person stood on equal ground before God, the temple should have promoted justice among all people, regardless of social standing. But humans, not God, messed that up and put the marginalized literally on the margins. But that day, marginalization was replaced by a new order of justice. Jesus eliminated practices that promoted discrimination based on class, race, gender, wealth, even religion, thereby establishing himself as the ultimate liberator. This story is also a clear indictment on those who get their riches by exploiting the poor. If you recall, Jesus drove out the cattle and the sheep, but told those selling doves to take these things out of here. When he could have flung open their cages and driven them out recklessly too. But you see, it was the wealthy who came with sheep and cattle and the poor with the doves. Jesus' careful attention to the doves demonstrated his deep concern for the poor. It would be an extra burden on the poor to have to go buy new doves. Jesus shows us that fierce love looks like doing whatever you can, wherever you are, to bring about the kingdom of God, where oppression and marginalization are driven out, where there's no room for exclusion where those with the least are those who are the most cared for, where if the whole system is flawed, you flip it over and demand the imagination to create a new one. As God bears every one of us, we too are called to bring about revolutionary love on earth as it is in heaven in whatever moment we find ourselves. We found ourselves some places this year in a year that's asked us to question everything. I want to remind you that kingdom work, revolutionary fierce love work always happens in the neighborhood, in the flesh, in and through your flesh. That's the truth of the gospel of John, love incarnate showing up to each of life's moments. This year, friends, despite everything, You've been love. You've been the embodiment of God in your very own disparate places of work and life. Like Young, beloved middle member and super talented graphic designer who moved to South Korea and asked, what can I do? Who now designs our beautiful weekly schedules. Like Alan, who in the face of ageism and white supremacy shows up year after year to be with our young people, to teach them during Black History Month. 
like Betty Jean. In the face of a society that doesn't value gratitude or ritual, routinely posts an invitation into a ritual of daily gratitude. Like Matthew, who in the face of economic, un economic employment and joy strife, turned his cardio in-person classes on a dime to digital. And as a slap in the face to capitalism, offers his classes pay what you can so that anyone who could use some cardio or cheer is welcome. Like Angie, who in the literal ashes of our sanctuary came in the cold and unpowered, no heat remnants of the church building to take picture after picture of every inch of our building so that we can get reimbursed by insurance for as much as possible. Like Alex, who shows up every single day, despite being often disrespected, undervalued, and seen as a threat in this country as a queer black man to teach our young people with love, dedication, and joy, who, during a global pandemic, worked tirelessly with colleagues to build and propose a complete overhaul of their way of doing education by demanding an anti-racist curriculum. Like Joy, Rochelle, Lindra, Sandra, and Mady. Since COVID started, since we haven't been able to practice in person, We've been able to go on Zoom. However, a number of us have been able to find ways to create community. We have gone on uh, picnics together. And in addition, a few of us have gotten much closer. Our friendships have really bonded and become stronger. Um, I've been good friends with Sandra and Ro and Mady. And the four of us have found ways to bond and support each other through this pandemic. I've been a middle member since 1996 and I joined the Gospel Choir in 2002 and that's where I met Mady. We have been friends ever since. In 2014, she came to join my pediatric therapy sensory gym as a counselor and we worked together until COVID shut us down. I love Mady dearly. She has and always will be a wonderful friend. I've been with Middle for at least 30 years uh, and my friends helped me get here to get my first shot and probably my second shortly. And we are joined in a new friendship that is different from the past. It's become a very more intimate and understanding of each other. I'm thinking about all the special things that have happened. Even though we've temporarily lost our ch church, we joined together uh, and created a new group relationship. Love embodied. At every point in history, there will be things that need to be challenged. At every point, we will be challenged. There will be those who exploit, those who devalue, those who oppress, those who conflate religion with idolatry. At every point in history, we will need those who follow Jesus's agenda of revolution, not just reform. 
The beauty of John's gospel is this. God chose to localize love in human bodies. We are those bodies. In this year where love has been hard to localize, remember that you are love. And wherever you are, behind a screen teaching children, making vaccine appointments or digital sympathy cards, placing food in the community fridge, baking cookies with your kids, moving home to take care of ill parents, creating beautiful art that brings the world joy. You are love and you have the power and the call to revolutionize this world with God's justice. In this most difficult year, you've done that. Did you see? We've done that. There will be harder days to come. The pandemic is not over. We still can't pass a $15 minimum wage. Poverty is a policy choice, as Nina Turner reminds us, and choose it, we still do. Children in Idaho are taught to burn face masks rather than wear them. Anti-Asian hate and violence are out of control. We celebrate a young black poet one day and racially profile her the next. And white people can't stop stressing over six canceled racist Dr. Seuss books in the name of accountability. But the truth of the story is this, love in the form of a table flipping Jesus has come for us to know. Love from the margins to the margins and back again. And it's that love that has carried us and that will continue to carry us through. From last March to this March, and no matter where the first Sunday in March 2022 finds us, never forget that love lives in us.